Good to be back together. One of the scriptures that a lot of people struggle with the most, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in regards to the covering of heads uh, of men and women in, in public worship. Um, and it, I've often had, a, I guess, a little bit of controversy with it because this is one of those lessons that I often make somebody mad with. And not that I have given my opinion, uh, I try to avoid that here. Um, but if it does offend you, I love you. I hope you still love me <laughs> and that we will we'll get along. And so if you have your Bible, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I, what I see here in 1 Corinthians 11 is Paul is giving us a, a picture and a little bit of introduction of what we're going to see later. So 1 Corinthians 11, he, he talks about men and women who prophesy and pray. When you read the word prophesy, I want you to be thinking about someone who is proclaiming God's word. Now, I do recognize the word prophesy. It doesn't mean predict the future in the Bible. It means to speak forth God's word, and usually because you've received a revelation of it. Uh, and that's the idea of, of prophecy. And so you evidently have men and women who are in the church who are teaching and praying, and they're doing so publicly, and there is a right way to do that. I think a lot of this does involve culture. And even in the text in verse 16, Paul says, if anyone is contentious about this, which should tell you something right there, that what he teaches right here and what he's hitting on is often been a contentious thing. And it is in today's society. When, when, people, when we talk about the role of men and women in the assembly, um, many people get very... I hope that we can gain a lot from this passage right here. It's one of the most... Um, set or they even mock the church or mock the Bible for where it stands as far as that. Uh, I see in these scriptures, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 14, which also talks about the assembly being decent and in order, and in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I see no misogyny in this. You've got to look at the underlying principle from God and what he says about the role of men and women. And so one thing that the that is standing out here is that the Bible teaches that men are to take the leading role in the assembly. Uh, when we see as far as men being elders and deacons, the Bible has men. Um, when we see Jesus, he is God come in the flesh, man, his disciples are, are men. And I don't see that in any way as degrading women at all. In fact, we, I can show you another long list of sermon, praising and adoring women and putting women as equal in value to men. And I think that we realize that. Our belief among the churches of Christ would not be called egalitarian, which is to say that whatever a man does, a woman can do, and whatever a woman does, a man can do. Uh, our belief is complementary, complementarianism, which is that men can do certain things that women can't do, and women can do some things that men can't do. Then we know that. I can't have a child or give birth or nurse a child. Never going to happen. And so... That is the way in which I see God has clearly made us. It's one evident thing. When you look at, uh, you turn on the television, you watch these football players. There's yet to be, a, as far as I know, a female NFL player. Um, and occasionally there, I think there have been some in college football as far as being kickers. But when it comes to even athletic ability and even work, a lot of times men are given the more grunt work of things. Um, so I want those things, those things to be put out there and hope you understand that as we're going through this. And yet, I want you to look at this a little bit further as far as the covering. We're going to look at that a bit further. All right, more humorous note. Uh, you ever worn anything that you regret? You regret wearing it out in public? 
If you say no, I don't believe you. So it's everybody in here. And if you don't think that you've ever done that, you need to ask your family members because they'll say, yes, we regret a lot of things that you wore in public. And so um, that happens. I mean, there's so many occasions that I've kind of have black spots in my memory of things that I've worn and that I, I wish that I hadn't done that. Or you go around and realize, oh, I have a tear in the shirt or I've had a big stain on my shirt all day or whatever the, the, the thing might be. That can be an embarrassing to you. Um, sometimes a lot of these things, as far as clothing, tie into us in the assembly. And so we're going to look at what, what the culture says about clothing and also about hair and then how we apply it as men and, and women. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 2, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. We looked at this last week. There it is on the screen. He says, Now I commend you because you remember me and everything and maintain the traditions just as I deliver them to you. And in the churches of Christ, we're big about maintaining the traditions just as they are and they've been given to us in the Bible. Uh, that's why we sing congregational singing. That's why we have the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. Those are things that happen in the Bible. Those are traditions that have been given to us from God, not from man, but from God in the Bible. And so we maintain them and keep them, and we want to encourage all churches to simply do that, to be a church of Christ, to be the church in the Bible, and to maintain those traditions. So Paul says all that, and then he's going to give us a little bit more information on it in a minute about um, the the addressing of customs in the first century. But God instructed the church at Corinth to maintain God-given tradition of male headship in worship or in assembly in the church. And, and again, it's not derogatory. The Bible says very, very clearly why. God says, and you can see this very clearly in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says, I made man first, and I want him to lead. And I gave him that role. And I want him to lead. And I find that that is not uh, oppressive to women, but I do find this, that when you switch the roles, for instance, Adam and Eve in the garden and in, in eating of the tree as Eve took that role and both of them fell, that when that happens, and that's used over in 1 Timothy 2 as well, what, what I see today in our society is a lot of men are not assertive. They're not the kind of men they need to be who are leading who are examples. And we talk about, you hear in society all the time talking about, oh, the patriarchy and how evil patriarchy is. But patriarchy means fathers who lead. And then you turn around and hear people saying, well, where are the fathers? Well, you can't have it both ways. Or maybe you can, I don't know. But patriarchy, they're, they're against that. They're against the fathers leading. And then they turn around and say, where are the fathers leading? And we want that. We want we need that. I think a lot of us realize that, that we need men in society leading. And when they don't have that role and when they don't have that position within, at least in the church and in the congregation, they often just kind of give up on, on that. And that's not a good thing. All right, the world is oftentimes trying to shame Christians for their faith. As God has created gender roles in life and in worship that men and women, again, like I, I, my introduction was about, do different things in different ways. We'll talk a little bit more about that. All right, so here's our next verse here, verse 3. The Apostle Paul taught that God has fundamental principles for God-given traditions. He has reasons for why he does that. He says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. 
And so the man is not to be going around as a dictator. In fact, the Bible teaches, Jesus tells his disciples repeatedly throughout all the Gospels, he says, you are not to lord over others like you're some kind of governing um, officer. And in fact, Peter tells the elders of 1 Timothy chapter 5, don't lord over, don't dominate, don't be a dictator. That's not who you're supposed to be. And I have heard of men who claim to be Christians and then they justify abusing or being mean to their wife or to other women. And they say, well, I'm the head, I'm the man. And that's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches that men are to be servant, loving leaders, and they are to follow their head, their example, who is Jesus Christ. And it upsets me to hear men doing that because it only adds to all the trouble what we already have when people question this teaching. He says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. And some people ask the question as well, well, how can God be the head of Christ? Again, Christ is the Son, and when He came in the flesh, He took a subjective role as a bondservant, it says in the Bible. He humbled Himself, and, and He does subject to God. He is equal to God. He is, he is God, but as far as God being God the Father... He takes on the role of a servant. And I think we see that uh, throughout Scripture. Everyone is subject to someone, um, so, and you are. Whether you realize it or not, if you have an employer, you're subject to them. If you pay taxes, or you're trying to get away with it, you're going to find out that you're supposed to be subject into the governing authorities that God has put above you. You might as well just go on and subject yourself to the ones of whom God has given you. Now, I know many times it's, that's hard. It's difficult uh, when we go back and we look right here that the head of a wife is her husband. And if that man has become corrupt or, or evil in some way, and the Bible does address that. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter says, subject to your husband, even if he's not following the Lord, and, and, and work to win him over in that way. And I realize there are situations, it says even in 1 Corinthians 7, when we're back there, there when I may, a woman might have to separate from her husband. It also tells that um, about her also going back to him as well. And so there are ways to address these situations that are in the Bible. I understand the difficulties there. Uh, let's look here a little bit further. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. God's creation of men and women set their roles and makes Christian worship distinct from the world. You know, the world wants to put it down, but I want you to listen to what Paul says right here. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. Now, it's very clear here in the Greek that when it says a head covering, um, it may be referring to a shawl hanging down, and it may refer to hair hanging down. In fact, we're going to see later there is a reference to hair in, actually there's one in this, in this text here. But a little bit further, it says that the hair is the covering for a woman. And so both of them are showing their roles publicly of what they believe and how they worship. And I'll make some more comments on this in a second. But he says, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. He says, if a wife were not... If a wife will not cover her head, and some translations say a woman, uh, that's because in the, the Greek word for wife or woman is the same. It says, but if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. For since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair short or to shave her head, let her cover her head. And what he's saying here in the assembly that um, you don't want to show anything within, from society, within culture, within worship that 
would, would make people think that uh, you're a part of any kind of pagan worship or that, that uh, men are not taking that leadership role. And so we see this here as far as the covering. So it says men are not to cover their heads because it dishonors their heads and that women are to cover their heads. And the covering their head would be um, a shah or a garment. Um, this is very much, a lot of it is cultural. So let's take a look at that. In the ancient classical world, short, and, short hair and shaved heads of women was is improper and a disgrace. It was considered disgraceful back then. Um, now, at the same time, uh, a lot of women, and it talks about this in Scripture, in 1 Timothy 2, and I think it's in 1 Peter chapter 3, it, it, says, it tells women, don't put your hair up and put gold and pearls in it. And a lot of women used to do that back then to show their, their power, their wealth, their authority. In the ancient world, uh, the, the worship of Diana in Ephesus was, had this massive temple, and under the temple were these safes. It was a bank, and it was run by women in the ancient world. There's another worship of the god Dionysius, is the god of wine that women led in that worship as well. And so you ought to get this picture that back then that women didn't have authority and power. And as we read scripture and read ancient history, in some ways that's true, in some ways it's not. It's not as, as clear as many want to make it sound like it is. But Paul taught that worship for Christian men and women is distinct from the world. That we are not to look like the world. That we are to look different. And that uh, what we see really clearly right here is the men are not covering their heads. They're showing that they are made in God's image and in His glory. And the women are showing uh, their respect and their humility and that they are made in the glory of man and in the image of God as well. We're going to see more about that in a minute. But hair and clothing, they're distinguishing practices even today. And I think that's the main principle I take from this text is that when we come into the assembly, and there's a lot of questions right now, if a man thinks that he's a woman, can he act like a woman? Well, we know what the Bible says. It says, no, he shouldn't. You know, no man should dress as a woman or vice versa. Those, those are cultural things. And we know and we see them. There's a difference in the way that men dress and women dress. And I, and I think that's the main point in our application in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tonight, is that we dress differently. You know, men are going to display themselves in a masculine way, women in a feminine way. All right, by his creation, God set gender roles for males and, and females that is represented in distinct clothing. Look right here in chapter 11, verses 7 through 10. Paul says, For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. And so while both of them are made in God's image, we know that, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, they are equal in that. God, I mean, I'm sorry, let me clarify this. Man has the glory of God, whereas woman is made in the glory of man. And you might think about that. What does that mean? Well, women take on the beautiful characteristics of humanity. I think most men would recognize that. That women are certainly the glory of man. But man also being made in the glory of God. That we are to take on a, a position of strength and leadership, especially in spiritual matters. He says, for a man was, he says, for man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. So you probably followed all that and understand all of that until you got down to because of the angels, right? 
All right, so because of the angels, oftentimes in the scriptures, and even in the book of Revelation, when you pray or prophesy, the scriptures say that the angels have a part in that. That in the communication of prayers and in the receiving of revelation, that the angels have a part in bringing about that revelation. And so, and he's also mentioning here that while you're in the assembly, even as we are right now, or in a setting of public worship, there are angels present. And those, those things are taught in Scripture. And we can comment more on this a little bit later, but again, it's still a matter of dress and recognizing that men and women are created differently. However, we see this. The Apostle Paul taught the significance and equality of women. I have to emphasize that, and I think um, Paul is kind of emphasizing that right here in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 11 through 12. He says this, Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. You can't have one without the other. You, you can't exclude one or degrade either, either man or woman. But they do have different roles, even though they are, they are independent and they are equal. I like this verse right here. In Galatians 3 and verse 27, he says that we are all to be baptized into Christ. And then in verse 28, he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Whether you're a Jew or a Greek, if you're baptized, you're a Christian. He says, there's neither slave nor free. That doesn't matter in the church. You can't come in and say, well, I'm a leader and this person over here, I'm a manager and this person over here is my employee. And so bring that into the church setting and say, well, they still have to do what I, have to, I tell them to do. I mean, we wouldn't think that way. But again, it's emphasized here that neither is a servant or a free person um, greater than the other. And then he says there is no male nor female. Neither one is greater than the other for all are one in Jesus Christ. And now, of course, he's not denying everything that he's taught here as far as men leading in the assembly. But he is showing again that when we are baptized, we are equal and of significant and great value to God, even though we take on different roles. We recognize that. Everyone in here has different talents and abilities. And we recognize that some people can do things. All because I can't lead singing like Garland doesn't mean that I'm an inferior Christian. You know, All because I can't lead prayers or, or say a prayer like Kevin or like Logan did tonight doesn't mean that I'm less than them. Um, and I hope that we don't think that way. That's not what the scriptures teach. Because God created men in his glory, God instructed men to act as the head, especially in the church, in worship, in, in the assembly. I think that's very clear. And I've already commented there on that scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 13 to 14, again, telling us why. Because God has made man and woman separate and different, equal both in God's image, but with different glories. And we need to respect that. And this is, our, this is the end of our scripture tonight. And probably you get the most questions from this. Look at verses 13 through 16. Paul says, judge for yourselves. Now, we saw this before. When he says judge for yourselves, he's not saying you can decide on your own. He's saying, with all the information I have given to you, all the revelation from God, now you make a judgment. You put this together. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? So when we're talking about this covering and the covering he's talking about, he's either talking about a garment, and in this case, he's also talking about hair. 
So a woman having long hair was considered also a covering. She wouldn't need the shawl. In the catacombs in Rome, there are pictures of women leading prayer. There's a picture of a woman leading prayer. She's got her hands out like this. Her hands are raised up. And there are other women around her praying. And she has short hair and she has a shawl hanging down from her head because of her hair. And so it shows the represented in that culture that she recognizes that men are to lead and take the head. But here she is leading prayer before these women and leading them. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. So he says, judge for yourself, is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? And so there's a lot of question about that. Does he mean nature in the sense of cultural observation? Or does he mean nature in the sense of God made nature, made it this way, that men are not to have long hair? He says, if, if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. Now, long hair, a lot of people say, well, I don't know if I have long hair or not. It doesn't go all the way down my back, you know. And I, I've heard some women ask questions about that. First of all, it says, if a woman has long hair, it's given to her as a glory. Secondly, the, the idea of long hair means hair that's hanging, just hanging from your head. It doesn't even mean that it's touching your shoulder. And I think the best way to put it, if a woman has feminine hair, good. That, that is the idea here. Uh, rather than, than trying to give herself the impression of authority by having masculine hair. It says, for her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, listen to this. So, so we see hair as a covering there, long hair. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. So oftentimes, I, we'll study, I'll study this, this passage with somebody, and we'll get through 1 Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 16, and say, and people will say, why do we need this in the Bible? Why are we even studying this? Why is this even a subject? Because listen, it says right here, if anyone's contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Well, what have we learned tonight? Have we learned any principles about the role of men and women? Have we learned anything about culture and customs that we need to certainly apply? Um, well, there's a lot here to study and to understand. And I can't decide for you what he means by nature here as far as men having short hair and women having long hair. But that is what the scripture says. And I'd like to hear your studies on it and what you, you further find on the matter. I've studied that for a long time, studied it in graduate school. Um, and I, I still can't give you an affirmative, convincing answer. I can give you my opinion, but then you might punch me in the ribs later. So I'm just kidding. Uh, but when we see this, it says, for her hair is given to her for a covering, I think that tells a lot. Um, and I think it, it tells a lot about a woman displaying that she is feminine and that she is a woman, and she's not ashamed of it. She shouldn't be ashamed of it. The same thing for men. In the ancient classical world, men who had long, hairs were, long hair were demonstrating that they uh, were effeminate and they were open to a homosexual relationship. That was the understanding in the Greco-Roman world. Um, and, and as Christians, the Bible teaches us that homosexuality is contrary to God's creation. He's made man and woman to be together for life, and that institutes marriage. But if, again, uh, we see here, if anyone is contentious, we have no such practice. What practice is he talking about? Go back up to verse 13. He says, is it proper, is it appropriate in culture for a woman or a wife to pray to God with her hair uncovered? We want to make sure that we're distressed. Um, 
displaying the right respect and reverence according to even cultural practices. Not that we're conforming to the, the evil things in the world, but that we're showing um, that we believe what the Bible says here about the role of men and women. And this is what I've just covered. I probably should have gone to this next. But anyways, the questions of the, the custom of a woman praying with her head uncovered, being proper, that's one of the observations. That's what they're questioning. And there's the nature if a woman has long hair, it is a glory. If she has long hair, some women might not be able to have long hair. And then it says again, churches have no practice of a woman praying with her head uncovered, um, especially if anyone is contentious about that. So what do we do with the scripture? And I think there's something to think about because I, in all the study and everything we've gone through in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I would say in the whole New Testament, this is the one that I uh, struggle to teach uh, the most. And I hope that you'll be very forgiving with me tonight. And I hope to hear your further insights on it. But Christians should have no shame. We should have no shame and all honor for keeping God's created roles for man and woman. There's nothing wrong with that. When we believe that God created man and woman and that he made them in different ways, but equally, there's no shame in that. Uh, today, the church must maintain God-given tradition of, of men leading. And I believe that. That men should be leading. That's what I read in Scripture, and I believe in maintaining it. Not in a dictatorship, but in a loving servant leadership, the way that Jesus led. And then look here in verses, um, I'm going to go back to verse Corinthians 11 and verse 2, and 11 verse 16. He says, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions as I delivered to you. What traditions? That you remember the roles that have been passed down between men and women. And at the same time, he says, if anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. So very in-depth study tonight, and I appreciate you being here to be able to. And that, I seem to have everybody's attention this evening. I appreciate that. Um, but as we finish, you need to realize this. You're blessed. You're blessed to see the value that God gives you according to your sex, that God has made you in his image, that he loves you and he cares for you. And that he, he gives you a specific role. And that we shouldn't push those things aside. And we haven't even in-depthly covered the role of men and women in detail tonight that's, that's presented throughout Scripture. But we have touched on um, that men should be leading. So I hope that in no way that we, we degrade ourselves. In our society today, a lot of people talk about self-esteem and they see that well, if you don't go along with what I think and how I view myself, then they feel very insecure. They feel very degraded. And I, and I think that comes away because we are not looking at the world in the way that God wants us to. God wants us to look at it through His lens. He made us. He created us. He made us in His image. He loves us. He loves every one of us that He sent Jesus to die for us and that Christ was buried and he rose again. That's the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and that we as Christians need to believe that gospel and share it with others and conform to it. And as believers, we want to conform to it by dying to our sins, being buried in the baptism, and rising up in the newness of life. God raises us up. He does the cleansing. He does the saving. And we can see that very clearly in the Bible. But God offers salvation to everyone. Tonight, if you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ, do it. The power of salvation is in the gospel. It is in the cross of Jesus Christ. If you haven't been baptized into Christ, you need to do that um, to rise up and start a new life. If you need prayers and encouragement, we encourage you to come right now.
while we stand, while we sing. Please come.